This can be played at high volume. Live and local. This is the game. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. It's Saturday, and you know what that means. Finally time for the world-famous CD to step to the mic for two straight hours of no-holds-barred sports talk. It's better than Desperate Housewives. Oh, you You better get ready. Yeah! Because Under the Dome with CD starts right now. Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's do it. And a good morning, beautiful people. It is a, dare I say, stupendous Saturday morning. Hopefully you're feeling the same way I do. Almost feel like saying, you know, do you feel like we do? It's Festival International. It's going down. The last couple days have been fantastic. It's officially back after two years away. I'm definitely going to go ahead and enjoy some of that. It's the last day of the NFL draft. Zion Williamson, he looks like he wants to stay. The Saints didn't screw up a draft. I'll talk about that in a minute. And more importantly, it's a great day to have a great day. Hopefully you're feeling the same way. Appreciate you listening in, however you're doing so, be it through the free mobile app on the Apple, Android, whatever, the game 1037, the game 1041 out in Lake Charles. Or if you had more to, I'd say once you get towards Kinder, this is a pro tip here, and I've, I've dealt with this before. Not long after we made the switch, I was driving down to Kinder. It was around Super Bowl weekend. Throwing down some bets. And I'll talk about some bets a little bit later on in the program. But once you get towards Kinder, you are going to have 1037 start to fade out a little bit. Turn that dial a couple notches over to 1041, and you'll be able to catch us crystal clear out there in the Lake Charles area. Appreciate everybody for listening in. Also, you can check us out on your favorite smart speaker. Just tell your smart speaker to play the game Southwest Louisiana. It's just that simple. And hopefully you're having just a fantastic Saturday. Because I am. It's been a great one the last couple days. Mainly because of the fact that the Saints have done something that I haven't seen them do in a good while. I have not seen them pull off a draft quite like they did this these last couple days. They've got two picks left, but I could care less about those two picks. Because right now, the last two days, I'll give my draft, draft grade in a minute. But there's a lot of good to come out of the last two days. And I'm going to get to that right now and get down to brass tacks of what is causing all this on a Louisiana Saturday morning with your Saturday Sports Sermon. The famous CD is on his soapbox to start your Saturday. Oh, testify! It's time for your Saturday Sports Sermon. When you watch the New Orleans Saints make draft picks and make moves, they never reinvent the wheel when it comes to how to handle the first round of the NFL draft. And you know what? I'm just going to say it. It's not a bad thing at all. It's actually a good thing. You don't change 
what's worked for you, especially in the not-too-recent past. Again, the last five years since the 2017 draft, the Saints have been able to be pretty much nails on a lot of these picks in the first two days. And that largely determines how people view their draft, especially five years down the road. The 2017 draft class, I think we can all agree, is an all-timer without a doubt. Because of all the talent that you were able to get, especially getting Alvin Kamara in the third round, who would have thought that guy would have been what he was for the Saints franchise? But that's a different conversation. And we heard seemingly for weeks on end about how the Saints were going to draft a quarterback. It was insisted upon by a lot of people in the national media. Hell, a friend of this program, Jordan Schultz, who works for the Four Letter Network, pretty much said that he was going to, they were going to get their guy. They were going to get their star quarterback and move and move forward in, in that direction. Mind you, why would you need a quarterback when you just paid Jameis Winston for a two-year deal? Do you really not have that much faith in a guy that did a pretty damn good job? And we're going to talk about him in a minute. But I heard all that and I got sick to my stomach. Maybe that's why I've lost all the way to that. But anyways, so when I saw that, and now that we're all said and done the first two days, and it looks like the quarterback pool has dwindled down significantly, I think Nick Saban has been right all along. This national media, when it comes to the NFL draft, is rat poison. You don't want to be eating the rat poison because then your mind's going to get completely messed up. And the Saints in the first year without Sean Payton, they did a lot of the similar stuff they've done in the past. Trade up, get a wide receiver from Ohio State University, or get a player from Ohio State University, and get an offensive lineman. They do this stuff every year. But it, it's like they were working with clarity versus getting maybe a guy that was, you know, the best fit or best player available mentality. They were thinking like I think, like an average Joe would think, and going with team needs and it worked out it's worked out really well and you know again going back to the big thing the trade you traded up to get Chris Olave I think you had to do that you had to fire off that bullet because there was a run on wide receivers it's a lot like whenever you watch a fantasy draft go down you can tell the second a wide receiver run is about to happen and you are just shaking in your boots because you know you have a guy you want but you know somebody is going to wind up taking that spot. Somebody's going to wind up stealing that opportunity from you. And they traded up, and this was the right decision. He, They could not let Chris Olave slip away. This team, I've talked about it before, I'll say it again. This Saints team damn near has a perverse liking of Ohio State players, especially Ohio State wide receivers. Michael Thomas may or may not have had something to do with this pick, but honestly, if he did, more power to him. Pay him a little bit of money to be a draft analyst because this is going to be a huge get for a team that honestly needs more bodies that are good in the wide receiver room. You've got Michael Thomas. Last year, you didn't have Michael Thomas. You had Deontay Harris. You had a bunch of guys, and that's what you had. You had a bunch of guys. Marquez Calloway did well, but you need to truly have wide receiver one you may call him slant boy all you want 
but he has done a damn good job over the last few weeks. He's done a damn good job over the last few seasons. Now, how he is with Jameis Winston, that's going to be the interesting part of the story as we start to shift over towards summertime and training camp. And this was the right thing to do. And it's a lot like one of my uncles says. You pay a little more to fly first class. You just can't quite stay as long. But in the Saints, in the Saints perspective, they can stay as long as they want. You know, remember Marcus Davenport? You paid a little bit more to fly first class and get a guy like that. Mind you, he's paid off a little bit more now because the fact that he realized those footsteps were fast approaching with the draft of Peyton Turner. I'm still not sure why they did that. But I think this works for me because it addressed a major need. Now we get to Trevor Penning, a guy out of northern Iowa. We'll get to know the young man a little bit later on in the program. But this fit a lot of need. And again, Ohio State players and offensive linemen, I feel like that's exactly all the Saints want to do when it comes to the NFL draft is focus in on getting those guys. You look at it. You've had three in the last seven seasons. Andrus Pete, Ryan Ramchick, Cesar Ruiz. You got, you know, Eric McCoy in the second round, which was a phenomenal, phenomenal get, by the way. But you have all those stars. Yep, those guys, it's an offensive line you start to build. You let you you lost Teron Armstead or got rid of him. This was exactly what you need to do. Trevor Penning was the right choice to make because the offensive lineman pool was starting to drop off like crazy. And this may have been one of the better Saints drafts in recent memory. And it was just also the most Saints draft in recent memory. But at the same time, it made a statement. It made a statement to me. It made a statement to a lot of people. And that statement was that this is Jameis's team. This is Jameis Winston's team, damn it. I said it for weeks. And it's bearing itself out now to be true. You only saw one quarterback get drafted in the first round, and even then I feel like it was a bit of a reach in Kenny Pickett. The quarterback class in for this year's draft is the definition of mid. You've got Malik Willis, a project quarterback out of Liberty that I'm not necessarily sure is going to pan out all that well in the NFL. Mid! You've got... A guy like Matt Corral, a guy who had spent years being the starting quarterback, started out as a freshman, was out, was being trotted out on SEC Media Days as a freshman, as I remember correctly, back when I was went to one in 2019. To me, it's pretty simple. Then you have Desmond Ritter. I think we can also kind of lump in everybody else, but I haven't included in this list as and that's where we are. Why are we continually thinking that Jameis Winston? Like, I understand why some people think Jameis Winston is a garbage QB. I can get that completely. But what I don't understand is why you say that whenever he did pretty damn well for the Saints before he got injured. I think outside of the Panthers game, he looked like a really good quarterback. And if you know me well enough, I am definitely not the biggest Jameis Winston fan. But look at the numbers. You had 1,100 yards, 
14 to 3 touchdown ratio. This guy two years ago in 2019 had a 30-30 season. Not a 30 for 30 documentary, a 30 touchdown, 30 interception season. That touchdown interception ratio proves LASIK works. And he had a 5-2 record without Michael Thomas, without Will Lutz kicking field goals with a great consistency, without good weapons outside of Alvin Kamara and that old man River, Mark Ingram coming back to the franchise late in the year. This team almost made it to the damn playoffs without him and half the team being injured. That speaks to how good this team can be and will be. And again, I am the first to admit I am not a Jameis Winston fan, like the number one fan. In fact, a few years ago, after those allegations about the Uber driver came out, I thought his career was done. I said it right here on this station. It's on wax forevermore. I'll admit that. And again, it's America, the land of second chances. And Jameis has has shined so far. If he hadn't gotten injured, I think things would have been a lot different. But this isn't a Marvel anthology series called What If. This isn't that kind of thing. This isn't the NFL. This is the NFL. And we start to find out how this team is going to look in 2022. You've got your star wide receiver back. You've got a really good wide receiver too. Marquez Callaway. How's Adam Troutman going to look? How are they? How is the rest of this team going to shape up based off what we see in this final round of the NFL draft? The final two picks that the Saints have in the fifth and the sixth round. Again, I don't give a rat's behind about that because I care more about what I see with this Saints team and how they how they gel with Dennis Allen. It's a new head coach. He's in the house, and he's running things. He's the guy that's going to be able to manage his team to a certain level. And the other pick they had was a second-round pick in Elante Taylor. I think that's a vintage Saints pick because based off everything I heard, he is a guy that fits the culture that the Saints have started to build over the last five, six seasons. He fits it like a damn glove. He's a solid choice, seems to be a stand-up guy, and also seems to be a really good defensive player. Played for the Vols, played in the SEC. It fits a lot of boxes. We talk about Ohio State. The Tennessee pipeline is a little bit more interesting, too, because after all, you do have Alvin Kamara. And remember what happened when they drafted him? It paid off in spades. And I'll just end with this. It was a vintage draft by every metric. But a lot like a good bottle of wine, vintage is best. You hear it all the time, like a fine wine, it only gets better with age. And a Saints draft in the Mickey Loomis, Jeff Ireland era, this was the definition. This was textbook Saints draft, and honestly, I don't hate it. You don't have Sean Payton meddling a little bit. Because again, I look at last year's draft as a Sean Payton wanting to kind of put his stamp on things. Peyton Turner, the Ian Book draft pick. Paulson Adiba was about the only, like, on paper, really good pick, and I'm glad they landed him. But outside that, I can't necessarily say that this team really did anything worthwhile. It's not the Stanley Jean-Baptiste draft, but I'd say it's more like the Stephon Anthony, the first round type of draft. The 
Hauli Kikaha. And again, those guys did really well their first year. But beyond that, they didn't do diddly squat. Kikaha, more because of the fact that he was also dealing with a lot of the injuries he had that had been built up over the years. But still, overall, love this draft. My grade, I'd probably give it an A- to a B+. Simply because you missed out on, on Brisker by one pick. That was a real gut punch, but you still were able to pivot and get a really good cornerback that's going to build a lot of depth. Now you've got to try and focus on maybe like you've got to be able to throw down some money to get a good safety to kind of fill that void because that's still the biggest need they have. And Brisker really wasn't that big of a deal. Hopefully the Saints get a maybe a safety. They can get a hidden gem in the fifth and sixth round. I've seen it happen before. I wouldn't be surprised if we see it again. We'll go ahead and take a quick time out. I'll get into some more NFL draft thoughts throughout this show and more importantly in the next segment. I got Elliot Clough. He'll be joining the show at the bottom of the hour. We'll talk about what Trevor Pinnock brings to the table. He covers Northern Iowa, so we're going to get down to brass tacks about that franchise. We'll talk about him. And more importantly, make sure you keep it locked right here because I've got a big announcement about this show coming your way. Next, right here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, we are Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Who is the world-famous CD, really? Whatever you think when you think sports radio, he's the exact opposite. Yes, I will do the opposite. Let's get back to Under the Dome with CD before he starts acting like Costanza. George is getting upset! On the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to uh, Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And, you know, we got LSU on the dial this weekend, but you can listen to them over on News Talk 98.5. But don't you dare forget, we want to take you out to the ball game with our latest Astros weekend getaway. The Astros take on the Texas Rangers on May 21st, and we have your chance to see these two AL West and in-state rivals collide. They've been having some damn good ball games. You have a really good chance to see them May 21st. So why not sign up today in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a ballpark tour, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. And trust me, that ballpark tour is phenomenal because I'll say this, man. Now that COVID's starting to let up a lot more, mind you, I think in Texas, because I was in Texas a few weeks ago, and that thing had been loosened up probably from the jump for what it's worth compared to how it had been in some places here in the heart of Cajun country. But make sure you enter in today in the clubhouse for a chance to win the Astros We Can Get Away. It's powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian, Houston, downtown, and of course, your folks here at the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Now, we got we got Elliot Clough coming on in about seven or eight minutes. We'll get him on in a few. But I've got an announcement to make about this show. 
I've been doing this since it launched in 2019. This thing has moved around and been shuffled around in a time slot more than an iPod back in the day. So I'm super excited to make this announcement. We are officially moving up to 9 to 11 each and every Saturday morning starting this time next week. Again, this show has been moved around a lot. There's been a lot of changes here at Southwest Louisiana Sports Station since 2019. Hell, back in 2019, we didn't have the 1041 Lake Charles. We didn't add that signal until February. I'm excited about this to do it right as we get ready for the Kentucky Derby next weekend. It's right around the time of the anniversary. Because again, the unofficial anniversary of the show is May 4th, 2019. We are entering year four of doing this show. That alone is a really cool feat to kind of think about. I've been doing this show for about three years. And it's been fun. This show morphed from the producers into a one-man band show. And I will be on the air from 9 to 11 starting next week. I've also got some other announcements up my sleeve, so make sure you keep it locked right here for that and all the other announcements that will be coming down the pike because I think this is the year where this show gets just a little bit bigger. Maybe I'm getting a little too big for my britches, but, you know, I'm starting to lose some weight, so maybe I'm not getting a little bit too big for my pants these days. But anyways, enough about me. Is I hate to do that and just talk about myself because, again, it's a sports show. You want to hear about the sports that's going on in and around the world. And more importantly, you care a lot about football. From what I've noticed, I talk about football. This show's numbers go through the roof. So, with that said, I'm going to get some NFL draft talk right now. If you want to talk about the Saints draft picks and what you thought about it, give me a call, 337-706-0111, And the biggest thing I can take away from this draft as a whole, the theme is defense is starting to matter more. This is a huge kind of shift. Last year, you had like five or six quarterbacks, a lot of offensive-minded guys getting picked up. The first five picks, all five of them, were defensive-oriented. You had three defensive ends, edge rushers, and guys that definitely deserved them in Trayvon Walker, Aiden Hutchinson, Kayvon Thibodeau. All three of those guys are going to probably be pro bowlers at one point or another. Maybe not with their respective teams. Looking at you, Jacksonville Jaguars. Detroit Lions, I think there's a really good chance he could be a pro bowler because I think the team, like their record doesn't show how much like they improved year over year. Derek Stingley Jr. to the Texans, like that's a really good pickup. I want to, I'm interested to see how that's going to work out because I saw somebody last night on my Twitter feed at Texan in Acadia and I brought this up and how he wants to kind of move on from his Texans fandom and join the Saints. He asked about the application process. Honestly, I would have done that a long time ago. But this year's draft, they what they've done, it's not bad. You get like a phenomenal cornerback that could probably be an all-pro in the next two to three years, barring any injuries. Kenyon Green, a really good offensive lineman to help protect Davis Mills. Jalen Petrie, another really good player in the secondary that can fill a big need. John Mechie. That's going to be a really good pickup for that team on the offensive side of the ball. So I, I can't wait to see what the Texans do look like as they approach 20 years in the league. Think about that. 20 years 
and a lot of mediocrity. But I think this is a step in the right direction. And again, I am the biggest hater of Nick Casario and crew, but they have done a pretty decent job from what I can tell. Again, Sauce Gardner getting drafted fourth to the New York football Jets. But again, it spoke to me a lot that I saw a ton of defensive guys get picked up in the first round. Yet two safeties wrap up the first round of the draft. Daxon Hill and Lewis Seen out of Georgia. Those guys, really freaking good. I'm intrigued to see how this is all going to work out for a lot of these teams. Tennessee Titans, they want to giving getting rid of A.J. Brown. Hollywood Brown getting traded. It, the, that was the most incredible part of everything. Then you had the one quarterback getting picked in the first round in everybody's favor, Kenny Pickett. The hand size and everything was a big knock, but apparently, you know, Mike Tomlin doesn't see that. He sees a lot of potential. And I think, honestly, he had to do this. I talked about it in a mock draft last week. He had to focus in and zero in on a quarterback. Didn't matter who it was, but zero in on a quarterback because can you really trust Mitchell Trubisky beyond this season? Can you really trust him to get you to where you need to be, especially in an AFC North that is getting a lot better? Malik Willis, like his name was being bandied about as one of the most intriguing picks. Again, I'll fully admit I had him going top 10, but I think that was just the fact that they were teams that would have that I thought would have put a higher priority on drafting a quarterback in the first round. Lo and behold, I think there's a, I think what we saw last year in the NFL draft is retroactively causing teams to maybe have a little bit more cold feet when it comes to quarterbacks. Because you look at what you've had. The first three picks in last year's draft, Zach Wilson, Trey Lance, and Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence kind of got stumped, got hurt out the gate because he was dealing with Urban Meyer, and he has his other buddy, Travis Achan. He gets injured. He's out for the year. And that team just couldn't get a, couldn't like do anything right. Zach Wilson's just saddled with the cursed Jets. Trey Lance, I think I'm interested to see how he's going to fit with the San Francisco 49ers and what their plans are for him going forward. That's kind of where the conversation begins. Justin Fields, I think he'll get better. He will get better like this season. I think he'll improve. Mac Jones, I think he's I think the story's out on him. Hasn't necessarily worked out all that well. He did good, but it just wasn't like that level that I think the Patriots want. He's a pro bowler, don't get me wrong, but at the end of the day, he did get absolutely exposed in a big way at certain points in the postseason. But that's kind of where I'm at. Kenny Pickett being the lone pick in the first round, you wait until a third round to get another quarterback drafted. Again, it speaks to what I was saying. This quarterback class is bad. And I think what we saw with the 2021 draft, it's speaking to a team not wanting to mortgage a future and instead focusing in on getting, wait for it, team needs. You see Malik Willis out there tanking like his name is a Netflix stock right now. He absolutely deserved to be a little bit higher in the draft 
people were wanting him to join the Saints. I'm like, no, I don't want to see Malik Willis. I don't want to see Matt Corral. I don't want to see any of those cats on my team because I don't I don't need another quarterback. We got three of them already. Four if you count Taysom Hill. You got all that. Eagles, they get a big wide receiver in a, in a trade. They always love to do that. That was really cool. That was a great part of the NFL draft. You had Ed Ingram. He's going to be staying in the purple and gold, but going up to the cold, cold world of Minnesota alongside his boy, Justin Jefferson. Jettas and Ed Ingram hanging out. That's going to be really cool to see those two get back together. Meanwhile, Ed Marinaro is still talking. He's still going on and on and on almost 12 hours later. Like, over 12 hours later, I should say. Is if you saw that, the head coach of Blue Mountain State out there just going off, talk, uh, he basically had a commencement speech going on during the NFL draft. And the fact he brought up Blue Mountain State, shout out to him. That was the best part of day two of the NFL draft. That and Dustin Poirier announcing the Saints' second-round pick. Really cool stuff there. All right, it's Under the Dome with CD. We'll be back after this. Going to get Elliot Clough on the program. Going to talk to him about the Saints' latest draft pick, the second pick they had in round one, and Trevor Penning. Going to get to know the young man. We'll talk about that next right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Maybe we'll get some Pels in as well because we all know that the Pelicans definitely had something going on this season. We'll talk about it next right here on the game. The world-famous CD may be in his 30s, but he's still a kid at heart. (laughs) Now, let's get back to a guy that has an unhealthy obsession with a number that offensive linemen wear with Under the Dome with the world-famous CD on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. And I got to say, it's getting to be near that time. You know, next weekend's the Crawfish Festival. But why not enjoy some a little bit ahead of time with a chance to win a $50 gift, gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio out in Abbeville. It's, they've got some of the best boiled crawfish they also served up some boiled shrimp, crabs, fried and grilled seafood, some great po'boys, and more importantly, a seafood buffet that is unlike any other. That place is fantastic. So make sure you sign up in the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score a $50 gift certificate to Richard's Seafood Patio. Absolutely. Just get hungry just thinking about it again. Trying to lose some weight, you know, trying to get trying to get a little bit more leaner, get back, lose some of that pandemic, uh, let's say 40 pounds or something. I don't know. But let's try and lose some weight there. Maybe, just maybe, I need to kind of cool it down a little bit with that part. But I know one place you can't necessarily get some great crawfish. Because here in Louisiana, you got great crawfish everywhere. But that's out in northern Iowa, where our next guest is coming from. He's a UNI insider, and he is Elliot Clough. Elliot, how you been, man? CD, I'm great, man. Yeah, you're not going to find some great uh, <laughs> seafood in Iowa. I can tell you that right now. 
You'll find great offensive linemen, not great, uh, great uh, seafood. That's what I was about to get to right here. Northern Iowa's finest, Trevor Penning, getting picked by the New Orleans Saints with their second first-round pick at 19th overall. And I think without a doubt, one of the biggest things that I took away was him saying he just loves to legally assault players. <laughs> that, that line alone, I'm like, okay, this may be my new favorite offensive lineman. Right, man. And, and that's what he does. That's what he did every single snap uh, w- with the Panthers this last year, especially against FCS competition. Man, he, he looked like he was an NFL lineman, uh, especially against those, those guys in the rest of the Missouri Valley Football Conference. I mean, and, and on top of just that mentality, his athleticism, his strength is, is next level. It was just unfair half the time uh, when, when the Panthers were, were fighting against uh, players and uh, other teams in, in, the, in the FCS. What can you tell me about Trevor Penning outside the fact that he loves to legally assault players and all that stuff? Like he just feels like he is going to be a force to be reckoned with, especially when I saw a photo. I think I saw it either this morning or late last night of him wearing a kicker's jersey, basically kind of that size. And then within three, four years, the dude is over 300 pounds and it looks like an absolute bleeping monster. Yeah, exactly. That That's Trevor, man. He came in to UNI knowing not a whole lot about playing offensive line um, he, he came from a really small school in Clear Lake, Iowa, worked really hard, ate a ton of food, clearly, got in the weight room, and learned a lot about playing offensive line. And I think that is incredibly indicative as to who Trevor Penning is. You know, I, I received a few questions on Twitter about, well, he's, he's nasty, he, he works hard, right? Or he's, he's uh, really athletic, right? But is he going to work hard? Is he going to work on his craft? And I can tell you 100% that is what he's going to do. I mean, you don't go from, like you said, looks like he's wearing a kicker's jersey until now where he's weighing 325 pounds, standing at 6'7". Trevor Penning is going to work his ass off. That's what he's going to do for, for the Saints. And not only that, he might be, you know, he was, he was a little boisterous in that interview, right? He's not the, the, the craziest interview ever, really, other than that. I, I've talked with him a few times. I interviewed him this last weekend at UNI's spring game, and he's, he's not the, the craziest interview in the world, but what he's going to be is loyal. And I, I can tell you one example. You know, UNI plays uh, North Dakota State University pretty much every year, not this coming year, but, but most years. And uh, the, the ball boy from, from UNI football is, is a guy that I speak with fairly frequently, and he sent me a video. One guy from NDSU sort of ran by him, popped the ball out of his hand, and, and his name's Matt Gray, and Mac was just kind of confused. Like, that, other players don't do that to me. Within the next 10 minutes of the game, Penning put that player, that guy, into the ground. And, and that's what Trevor is. That's who Trevor is. He's loyal, he's a hard worker, and he's going to be a saint through and through. I can tell you that right now. I can't wait to see what he does with this offensive line because, again, like one of the big needs that the Saints had heading into this NFL draft was without a doubt offensive line with the departure of Teron Armstead, who, yes, he, you dealt with him for a while with all those injuries and stuff, but when he was on the field, he made an impact. I think Trevor Penning is that guy that's going to kind of help fill that void and make this offensive line so much better and, more importantly, protect Jameis Winston, who's coming off an ACL injury. Right, exactly. And the, the one thing that, that I will say, and, and we talk about the athleticism, we talk about that, that raw nastiness. For me, I, I think you can trust him 
more initially within these first maybe few games, maybe a year at right tackle or, or, or maybe somewhere else on the line. He did play right guard a little bit in, in college, not a lot, and most of his snaps were at left tackle. And if you want to put him at right tackle, I think he can do that. I think you trust him a little bit more. That way uh, Jameis can, can have a little bit more awareness as, as to how the, the pockets, whether it's collapsing uh, on penning or not. But he has all the physical tools and all the traits in terms of who he is as a person, hard work, work ethic, that he can be a left tackle for your team for the next 10 years. I mean, just one, like I said, who he is, he's 6'7", 325, and he loves the game of football. He's a guy, he's not doing it just because of the lifestyle. He's not doing it just because of the money. You're going to be able to put him in at left tackle. He's going to embrace New Orleans. And and like I mentioned with, with him not being the most boisterous guy in the world, I think New Orleans is perfect because it's a small market. I think Los Angeles would have been a little little overwhelming for Trevor. You put him in New Orleans, I think he's going he's gonna to enjoy all the seafood, enjoy the lifestyle of New Orleans, and really just be what the Saints need on that left side of the offensive line for the next, like I said, next decade. You bring up the fact he's going to wind up enjoying some of the food here. Hopefully he can stay around where he is now at 325 because, again, this is, dude, 6'7 frame. Absolutely going to be a monster on the offensive line. I want to I want to drift away for a little bit before we wrap up here because I know we, we talk we talk a lot of Trevor Penning and Northern Iowa. I know that's who you cover these days. But before you made the trip over to Northern Iowa, you wound up spending some time covering the Pels. You, you, you probably loved the Pels for a good while. What did you think about how this season ended for the Pelicans, being able to make it to the first round but losing in six? And it looks like Zion Williamson is willing to sign a major extension to stick around. Like Things are starting to look up a little bit more for the Pelicans franchise maybe than in the last, let's say, four or five years. Right, CD. You know, when, when Trevor was drafted and I, I put out that, that tweet about joining New Orleans media, is like, worlds collide. This is crazy, but uh, right. You mentioned you mentioned the Pelicans, man. It was almost like once I I stopped covering the Pels and transitioned to covering the the Panthers full time, everything started to change. And you know, I I really believe that was going to happen, even when they were one and twelve or three and sixteen or what they were at one point in time. That Willie Green hire was the foundational change that this franchise needed. I mean, I, I spoke with a, a Suns insider from, uh, I believe it's Arizona Republic, last summer about the Willie Green, the potential of a Willie Green hire. And after that interview, I was all in, and we saw exactly why this this season. I mean, I, he changed that locker room from being a place where players didn't want to be. I think that was pretty clear under Stan Van Gundy. He changed that to being, I mean, Larry Nance says he wants to be around there long term and and he's been in a few with a few different teams he's seen a bunch of different places in the nba and and Jonas valanciunas he signed right away brandon ingram i've never seen him smile as much as he did this season this this team zion williamson coming back they've got about a 25 percent chance of getting a top four pick thanks to the los angeles lakers which it's just pouring salt in the lakers wound and it's awesome <laughs> like, I, that- I love it and and so um I, this this Pels team, they're going to be special for, for a while. And, I'm, man, dude, how can you not love the Jose Alvarado story? Oh, my gosh. Like, the, the, being so impactful in the minutes that he got this year, originally a two-way guy. And that's two seasons in a row where they got two-way guys that they converted to full, uh, full contracts. Him and Najee Marshall, 
this team, they develop players, they've got stars. The future is incredibly bright in, in New Orleans, and I think you can credit Willie Green with that. I think we definitely credit Willie Green with a lot of things. I think we also got to give credit where credit is due to one C.J. McCollum because he has been yep. absolutely phenomenal for this team down the stretch. It's another great trade the team made around the deadline uh, akin to what we saw with the Drew Holiday trade many moons ago. Right, exactly. Uh, adding adding C.J. was another foundational piece because it's that leadership and that experience that you have from a Garrett Temple, like, like they were looking for at the beginning of the season from Garrett Temple, from Tomas Sadaransky, but you pair it with superstar talent. And it's it's a different type of leadership when you get it from a superstar. And on top of that, you, I mean, it's the on-court product, right? And, and you know, it, it, the thing that I think was really outstanding about this season too, when, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it all back to Willie Green again, is that Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Josh Hart clearly did not want to leave New Orleans. They did not want to leave. They stuck around, went to that game. Josh Hart came back to the Smoothie King Center to watch the the Pels play in, in that final game against the Suns. I mean, it, it's not just the on-court product. I mean, like like it's it's great to have this talent. It's great to have CJ McCollum now in, in New Orleans, but it's not just that. Now it's what's going on in the locker room, what's going on in the city. There's a buzz in New Orleans. And, and like the sentiment, it, I mean, the, the common sentiment is you love the city, you show love to the city, they're going to love you back. And that's what's happening for the Pels right now. And I can tell you right now, New Orleans is a basketball city. I, I love it, man. Elliot, thank you so much for coming on, my man. We'll talk to you down the road. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, brother. CD, I appreciate you, man. Thanks so much. All right, that was Elliot Clough. Appreciate him joining the program. We're going to kind of keep this ball of wax rolling, getting ready to wrap up the hour. You know what that means? Time for my fave five picks to click for this weekend. Last weekend, not so good. Mind you, if I if I miss out on one, it's all over in terms of the parlay. But this past weekend was a definition of Mad Men, not Great Bob. Back after this, right here on the game, 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana's sports station. The world-famous CD always has his eyes on the lines out in Las Vegas. Hit me. 20. Hit me. 21. Hit me. 22. Here's his five favorite bets for the weekend. Will he make you rich beyond your wildest dreams? Or will you be cursing him out after he goes 0 for 5? Let's find out on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Yo, all right. Welcome back. There we go. I had some issues there for a second, but welcome back to Under the Dome with CD right here on the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Been on a bit of a losing skid as of late in the world of sports betting, but I think we're going to start bouncing back this weekend with this five-game parlay, and I got to start with the Houston Astros. They're plus 115 against the Toronto Blue Jays. Give me that all day long. Also go with the, uh, with the St. Louis Cardinals beating the Arizona Diamondbacks. That feels like an easy win, minus 155. 
San Diego Padres, Sean Manez on the mound against the Pittsburgh Pirates. I got to go with them. And we'll also roll with the New York Yankees beating the Kansas City Royals minus 225 odds. Garrett Cole on the bump. As much as I'm not a Garrett Cole fan now that he's with the enemy, I think he can still do pretty well against the Kansas City Royals tonight. That'd be a 6-10 first pitch. And then we wrap up with a game late night tip, late night first pitch, I should say, with the Doyers beating the Detroit Tigers minus 350. That feels like it is way too easy not to pass up on. And full disclosure, I'm using DraftKings for this one. So I've got a nice little boost here. So a $5 parlay with the odds boost opted in for the stack parlays that they have. $57.02 comes my way if this hits. And I got a good feeling it hits. Because, again, I usually can – I'm not going to do full-blown, like, all-day parlays, but I know a little bit more about baseball than any other sport going on right now. And, I mean, I think it's evident based off my $5 parlay I had last weekend where I had the Utah Jazz winning, the Minnesota Twins beating the White Sox, the Birmingham Stallions winning over the Houston Gamblers. By the way, they that Birmingham team is so good. Hell, the Breakers. The Breakers are pretty doggone good as well. The only misses I had were the Astros and the 76ers. So I, I could have easily hit that $5 parlay because that one was a pretty decent-sized pot to take, too. But that's about all I got for hour number one. I've got one more hour. We got Mike Neighbors coming aboard. But we'll start off the hour talking about Cajuns LSU starting to turn the corner as we start to flip the calendar over to the month of May. It's going to be May, and it's going to be hour two of Under the Dome next right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. 